Before we officially start this episode of the Backdoor Cover, I want to remind everyone that the IB Sports Podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to be notified when all new podcasts from the IB Network are available. We would also greatly appreciate if you would rate and review. Five stars, please, people. Be kind. Finally, you can follow IB Sports on Twitter, Instagram, as well as a Facebook page with over 4,000 members. The Facebook group has a premium membership. It allows you to post without being approved by an admin. You can be commissioner for a day, levy fines, and receive free gambling picks from the professor, my co-host, Alan, and much, much more. And with that business out of the way, we are back after some technical difficulties last week with another edition of the Backdoor Cover, Ivy Sports Weekly Gambling Podcast. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, probably looking at horse betting or some European <laughs> soccer bet that he's going to play later. My man, Alan, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Hey, look, you know what's funny? I stopped doing the um, horse racing uh, momentarily so I could uh, catch up on soccer, and they sent me a promo that from today until the Kentucky Derby, every deposit I make is free. <laughs> they were like, come back. We They're like, we need that. Yeah. Uh, that is pretty cool. Uh, I wish the, the online uh, poker sites would do stuff like that. They will every once in a while throw you a bone with like, you know, come back and we'll give you a, you know, 50% of your deposit back or whatever, but nothing like that. Um, yeah, they love to hustle you, man. I, I got out while I was ahead. <laughs> they want to bring me back. <laughs> All right. So this week, again, because uh, we will start getting into the NBA, MLB, NFL uh, once they actually get either going or close to going with the NFL. We were going to discuss Cam, but we're, we're going to spend the time doing the PGA Tour, especially because uh, it's it's late. We want to get it posted so people can listen to this and, and you know, get our picks in. Uh Let's start with, you know, last week Bryson DeChambeau was, depending on where you, you got it at, 5-1, to 6-1. to one. He went on to win, came back, uh, caught Matthew Wolf. Uh, my 175-1 to one Hail Mary on Ryan Armour teased me up until 17 on Saturday. That double, which made him three shots out of league going into Sunday and tied with Bryson. I, I knew he was done, but uh, – the question I wanted to ask you is, yes, we knew Bryson had a great chance to win. Like, but at those odds, did we have it right, you know, trying some of the guys at 30 to one or armor at, you know, 175 to one, or I wish, you know, we would have had, you know, Wolf at 90 to one up until the very end. Or do you think that if you feel that confident, you should still make a play with a guy like that? It's such low odds because I believe, that is the lowest odds winner on the tour since like Tiger in his heyday. Yeah, well, since I've been gambling, I've never seen anybody as low as eight to one. Maybe there might have been a small tournament where I saw Rory at five to one, but I, it was kind of a long time ago. So here's my thing on that: at odds like that, when when you have when I'm looking at golf, typically the golf payouts that I, I win are between 20 to one and 60 to one. 
if I got a guy at six to one, I'm just better off just playing a prop. And and in this case, we can use my uh Ryan Armour prop. So you you took Ryan Armour as a long shot to win at one seventy five to one, which is fine, you know. Uh, like I mean, that's what long shots are for. I mean, you put five dollars on that, and you you make bait. But follow it up. That was yeah. my mistake, right? I didn't yeah. have. I obviously thought he had a good chance to play well there. So like, play him at a top ten or a top yeah. twenty because he was so what at, seven to one, right? At yeah, the top so twenty. At, at top twenty, he was seven to one. I, in my mind, you have a much better chance of him hitting uh, the top twenty than you do of putting. Let's say we had a hundred dollar pot. I would rather put a hundred dollars on somebody to finish in the top twenty at seven to one odds than put a hundred dollars on somebody to win the entire tournament at six to one odds. So what I did is um, I kept an eye on Bryson the whole time because I mean it's obvious he's been the talk of the tour since since the return, and not just because he's gotten bigger, but because he's been pretty consistent. So on Sunday morning he was two to one to come back and win, so I just put a hundred dollars on him. I was like you know. It's it's kind of a hedge because I had Hatton and um and I forgot who my other top four oh, um Hatton so I had Hatton and Hatton uh with kind of a, a long shot to to come back and win it but at two to one odds I'm already locked in for my seven to one Hatton um to finish top ten was five to one so I'm technically playing with some house money barring uh armor has a complete collapse. So putting $100 on the two-to-one with DeShambo to come back wasn't really that risky to me. And then he comes back and wins. It's not really much of a loss. So ultimately, what we're trying to do as gamblers is maximize our profit. I would never tell somebody not to play something that they're confident in winning. But I will say that six-to-one are are cheap, disrespectful odds uh, (laughs) in golf. It's, it's, It's almost like they make it so low that it's not worth your time to really play that because again, it's almost a sucker's bet, right? Yeah. But I mean, and, and what I'm trying to say is if I'm playing with a, I usually do about a $200 pot per tournament. Anyway, I would literally have to put a hundred dollars on him to, to get the win that I would have possibly gotten with a $10 bet on Hatton, you know? So it, it just doesn't really make much sense. So I wouldn't beat yourself up about it in situations like that, especially with him having to come from behind, uh, in that in that Sunday round, you're just better off just waiting until Sunday and just taking the, the lesser odds, which are still plus odds, uh, and then um, trying to just get a little profit off of that. But invest in, invest in the uh, props in those situations, if you ask me. Well, I'm really glad that uh, your Ryan Armour top 20 pick played. It shows I still need to do a little bit more learning because again I just you know I had that much because I really did think Ryan Armour had a great chance to win the tournament and like looking at it, it's like it's so stupid dude I bet a top 10 would have been 12 to 14 to 1 yeah. uh, which would have hit but another interesting thing that came out of it is Bryson has obviously shot up the major odds boards and I just thought because you know we're getting ready to get into the major season I'm going to go over well, – let's go through each three of the majors because we know the Open's not happening this year. we got the PGA, the Masters, and the U.S. Open. I'm going to give you the current odds of just the favorites, and let's just say who we like right now if we were making a play and why. So the PGA, Rory was at 9-1. to one. He went down to 11-1 to one with Bryson's win. Bryson is all the way up to 12-1. to one. Kepka is 14-1. to one. DJ is 14 to 1. JT is 16 to 1. Rom is 16 to 1. 
Tiger is 18 to 1, Xander is 25 to 1, and Cantley is 28 to 1. In that group, who would you like right now? Um, why? <laughs> why is Tiger in there? When's the last time Tiger played? <laughs> well, you're um, gonna... Honestly, man, look, I I get why everybody's excited about Bryson, or, or he's the talk of the town, and and I am by no means a golfer, so I say this from a sheer gambling perspective and, and fan of of the uh, PGA Tour. He hasn't done that much that people really need to overreact like they're doing. I saw Rory finish top five, seven, eight times in a row and, and almost win consecutively three weeks in a row and, and did it in, in the fashion where he was actually at the top of the leaderboard for the entire time. He wasn't necessarily chasing people. He was pretty much leading it. And to me, that's more impressive than what Bryson has done in the sense that I don't think he's really – I don't think he's really shown out and, and and took it from somebody that we would consider really good. I mean, Matthew Wolf is we love him to death. You know, he's a young golfer, but he's not a he's not an alpha. He's not a dog. I mean, he didn't run down Brooks or run down DJ or run down Rory during this this these runs. Like he's been consistent, but he hasn't he hasn't to me shown what it takes to to really be in the same breath as as Rory. Uh, so I would favor Rory to win the PGA. Uh, championship right now. I mean, he, he's still playing really good golf. Um, I don't care how far Bryson hits it. At the end of the day, Roy is just a better golfer. So um, until I see somebody put together some consistency and and show some more touch um, around the greens, I've got to back Rory. Okay. Uh, there's two guys that I really like on this list. Uh, I love the fact that you're getting Kepka at 14 to 1. Uh, no offense to Rory or Bryson. Bryson's never won a major. Rory hasn't won one, and I think now we're at like six or seven years. Kepka's won four in the last ten. Uh, when you're getting him 14 to one, Harding Park, where they're having the major this year, they used to hold a WGC event there. Uh, it typically favored guys that hit the ball. Uh, a long way and we're good iron players which Kepka checks both of those boxes I know Rory and Bryson does as well but you're actually getting a little better odds with Kepka and the fact that he just you know until he starts losing a bunch of majors in a row to me he should always be one of the first names you circle depending on the odds at each major and to get him as the third you know best worst odds whatever you want to call it with his track record I think that's amazing the other guy is seriously Tiger at 18 to 1. He has won there and finished top five, I believe, in two of his other three starts there. We know how Tiger, when he likes a track, he plays really well. It's going to be really warm, which we know that was a problem with the last couple of PGAs because <laughs> of the time it being in May. You know, it was cold last year when they had the event. That's not going to be an issue this year. The last time we saw Tiger in a PGA at actually a fairly similar event, Kepka won, Tiger finished second. Uh, you're getting 18 to 1 for Tiger at a venue that he's won at. You're never going to get like those odds. I mean, his master's odds are, you know, his, similar, but a little was, bit yeah, lower. Uh, well, when I looked last night, and this again is the average, it was 14 to 1. So that was my two. Let's go to the masters. You got Rory, and this to me is mind boggling at plus 750 at the venue that I think he's going to have the hardest time winning at 
because you have to putt well there. Like, you have to. And he has not proved consistently that he can do that. I think he's still got skeletons from his collapse in 2011. I'm just shocked that that's the lowest odds at any venue is Rory at Augusta. Bryson's at 12 to 1. Again, as you were talking about this recency bias, I do think this is the venue. If of any of these three, he is going to win a major this year. This is the one that sets up the best for Bryson uh, because you can cut corners and stuff at Augusta. I'm assuming he's going to do that. You got John Rahm at 14 to 1, Tiger at 14 to 1, Kepka at 14 to 1, JT at 14 to 1, and then Xander at 22 to 1. Is there any of those guys you really like right now? Um, dude. And you got to remember the time that it's being played. So that there's a lot of variables we don't know with it being in November this year. I'm still stuck on the Adam Scott 33 to 1 that I put in way back when when I was super excited that we actually won a tournament with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's 28 to 1 now on my bookie, which I think he is. Funny, but... He's going to be a good play there. Yeah. I mean, he, he always is. He plays well at Augusta. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> honestly, you know who I kind of like uh, at Augusta? I don't think you mentioned him, but I'm really high on Justin Rose. Um, I, I really think he's going to he's gonna um, set himself apart um, in one of these, like, major tournaments. I, I feel really good about it. Um, the problem is he's, he's, he has a lot of, like, boom or bust with him sometimes with his putter. But, I mean, Webb kind of has that in his game, too, and, and he's kind of found his thing. And I think Rose had some club changes or something like that. So he's kind of been working through the kinks. But I, I feel like by the time the Masters come around, I think it'll all come He's together. at 28 to 1, just so you yeah. know. And I, I feel like it's going to all come together. And, and I really like the idea of, of him competing uh, simply because of the fact that he is kind of streaky. And um, I just I just feel like he, he's really good in um, tough fields. And it just – to me, sets up for him to kind of sneak one in. Um, I don't like Rory at seven one at all. Actually, that's crazy. Yeah, I I, I, I don't understand. I, that's the best odds you can get. This site I go to is basically the best odds you can get. And I mean, that's just, or excuse me, it's the average of odds, but it's you know taking in basically the highest and the lowest and averaging it out, and that just to me is crazy. The guy that I want to talk about real quick, because uh, I'm also going off the board here. Bubba Watson's 45 to one. He's a two-time Masters champion. We know he's another guy that if he plays a course well, he can, you know, he, he does it over and over again. And Bubba has the game for Augusta because the way he works and how far he hits it, that if he's on, I mean, he's one of the few guys that can smoke the field. Uh, I really like that play. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I mean, when, when Bubba's focused, it's, it's fine. Um, I actually was looking at um, the uh, tournament today. And looking at some of the um the write ups from Number Ball and stuff, and people were talking about like how he's been playing fairly well in every aspect of his game except for the short game. But I, I've never seen Bubba play so consistently. Um, he kind of to me, he kind of was one of those guys that he would play every now and then, or or like not necessarily be like competitive about it. Just he's just enjoying golf, you know. But it seems like he's he's really motivated to try to win, and and if he comes to the Masters motivated to try to win with his uh, course history there, um, I honestly don't have a problem with it being later in the year. I I really like him, um, and I wouldn't count him out at all, actually, especially at those odds. All right, let's do the U.S. Open real quick, and then we'll move on to this week's tournament. So again, Rory the favorite at ten to one, which this makes a little bit more sense to me. 
Kepka is at 12 to one. Bryson is at 12 to one. And again, what you're saying about Bryson, and this is not knocking Bryson because what he's doing is incredible, but he hasn't won a major. Kepka's won two U.S. Opens, and they're the same odds. And Kepka's won four out of 10 majors, and Bryson's never won one. That is the, you're paying for what Bryson has done lately. DJ is at 14 to one. Rom is at 16 to one. JT is at 18 to one. Cantley and Tiger at 25 to one. And my favorite out of this group is Webb Simpson at 28 to one. He's won a U.S. Open. His game is made for U.S. Opens. And he is also having a really fantastic, consistent year. Who do you like on that group? Or off the board, too, if, you, um, if there's somebody is like. The, is the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach again? No, no, I do not believe so. It is at, uh, hold on. I didn't. I didn't look to see if they changed, like what sites they had changed, because I know they've been kind of moving it around or uh, moving things around. Let's see here. It is at Wingfoot, which is where Phil had his latest uh, Sunday. I won't call it a collapse, but he was caught. He had the lead going into Sunday. Okay. Um. But he did have the collapse there in 2007, which you got to remind me. I got to teach you about that one day. <laughs> it's why I used to hate Phil. It's because he would always take risks that he didn't need to. I mean, uh, he, he's still like that. I mean, he's a he's a gambler at heart. So that's right. why, that's honestly why I love Phil because <laughs> I feel like if I had any talent and I was blessed with the ability that Phil had, I would make those same decisions. Phil, I, I feel you. Who who needs to go down a club? Challenge it. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um. That's going to be an interesting, um, an interesting one. I'm going to go off the board with this one too, and and take a guy that I I generally like to play, um, who's who's very consistent um, all around. Patrick Cantley, mm-hmm. I, I really like like his style of golf. I th- I think um, I think he'll be in the thick of things at a, at a course like that. So uh, and, when we, and when we talk about when you talk about um, like when you reference the Phil situation, it makes me think of you're going to need a smart golfer, somebody that's going to play within their ability. And Cantley pretty much does that everywhere he goes. You know, he's, he's very intelligent and, and really understands his game and doesn't get drawn into trying to, you know, keep up with everybody else. And, and I think that's really important. And I will say, cause you know, I, you, you give me crap and a lot of people do and rightfully so about being a tiger homer. I hate tiger at 25 to one at Wingfoot, that is not a golf course that's going to set up well for him. It's it's a very tight golf course. They usually have the rough really long. Uh, you can't, at least at last time they held it there, you couldn't hit irons and fairway woods off the tees. You have to hit the driver. There's a reason he's all the way down at 25 to 1 at that one. I can actually understand the 14 to 1 at Augusta because of his history there. And I do like the 18-1 at the PGA, but I do not like uh, the U.S. Open at 25 to 1. Um, let's, uh, move on to this week. So it's going to be really interesting. And I had to check three times to make sure I was understanding this correctly. They're about to host back-to-back events at the same venue at the famed Muirfield Village Golf Club. That is obviously Jack's Club, uh, in Dublin, Ohio. It's kind of confusing though. I will (laughs) tell you because from everything I've read, they are going to keep the rough down, for this tournament and uh they say that this course Muirfield other than Augusta year in and year out has the truest fastest greens and the most undulated greens but again 
the rumor is, is they're going to, you know, they won't be slow, but they're going to be a lot slower and not quite as firm as they're going to be the following week for the big event. So because of that, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. You can look at past history. I'll go ahead and tell you, I use it a lot uh, for my picks this week, but it's, it's kind of like what we said when we first got into, you know, when the, the tour resumed that this is a different thing. This hasn't happened before. So it's going to be interesting to see the fields are the players are back. You got a lot of the top uh, 10 players in the world. Kepka's there, Thomas, Patrick Cantley, John Rom. You got Spieth, Woodland, Patrick Reed, who uh, Thomas is, is right now the favorite uh, out of the group. Rom is right there. You got Kepka, Cantley, and Hideki there at 14 to 1. Let's actually start with that. Let's go through just uh, quickly the uh, the odds and see like kind of who you like uh, for this event. Out of that group that I just gave you of the uh, the favorites for this week, is there any of those guys you really like? Um, I I can understand Thomas uh, being there because it's a less than driver course, but I I just can't wipe out the the last couple times I watched him play, um, he I'm looks gonna, frustrated. Yeah, yeah, it looks like he's trying to figure something out, which is is odd because you know he he's so good. You would think he he wouldn't he have really to do that, but but I mean you know sometimes athletes overthink things. I mean shoot, we overthink things in our day to day lives that we do as a routine too. So I'm I'm sure that happens a lot in golf. Um, this is supposed to be a high-scoring course Correct. Uh, this week. Well, especially yeah. with if they have the rough down and they're yeah. not as firm, for sure. Like, these guys will and probably go have, pretty deep. You have to avoid the water um, because I think the water is in play on 13 holes. Yep, um, and a lot and, of the holes on the back. Yeah. I think it's like seven or nine. So, putting a, to me, I'm putting a premium on um, just accuracy and – I really like. I hate to sound re- redundant, but uh, or repetitive. Patrick Cantley, man. <laughs> you and me, man. I, I love Cantley. Yeah, this week. I mean, I, I I love the guy at fourteen to one. I mean, I'm not opposed to taking that. I would rather see him at twenty to one. But I understand this field is is it's respecting him for what he can do. And and when he came back that first tournament. Um, I think he was either he was in the top five for for a hot minute. Like he he didn't look like he missed a beat. So um, he's actually out of all these guys, like uh, Thomas Rom, uh, Masayama, Kapeka, those guys that are in that ten to sixteen to one range. I would say Cantley does the best on easy courses or high scoring courses. I've seen him uh, put together a lot of like twenty unders and things like that when he's had the opportunity on easy courses. So I feel comfortable with him uh, in this position. You want me to make you feel more comfortable real quick? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Cantley's one of my plays to win. You know, you talked about he finished 11th in his only start that he's played since the tour's resumed. His two starts previously at this venue, he has a win and a fourth. In the last 10 years at this venue, he ranks first. In scoring average, birdies and eagles per round, shot, uh, shots gained tee to green, shots gained approach, shots gained long game, and uh, strokes gained total. I would call that a guy that likes a track. I mean, that's seven categories that he ranks first. And, again, you got to remember, this is normally the next week's tournament, which is a big event where all the top players, including Tiger, will be back next week. Uh, 
I love Cantley at this track, especially with like what you're saying. It's going to be more high scoring than normal, which should only help him. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, no. I love the Cantley play. I like like the fact that um, my eye test is is accurate. (laughs) Because, again, (laughs) this is all just coming from watching tournaments in the past and things like that. I haven't looked at the – the uh the statistics just yet when I do like my deep dive into um trying to figure out who I'm gonna pick but just like I said off the top of my head Cantley stands out to me so he's gonna probably be my tier one pick this week for sure I, I can go ahead and say that like out of all the the top guys he's gonna be the one that I invest in the most all right so that next group of guys and there's some good players here you got Justin Rose at 25 to one Victor Hovland which man what a uh he has moved up the board on the odds as this season has gone. You know, we were getting them at 60 and 70 to one the first couple of weeks. He's at 25 to one. Ricky Fowler, who also has a great track record here, but it's Ricky Fowler, man. Don't trust it. 33 to one. Maura Cowie's at 30 to one. Patrick Reed, 35 to one. Leishman and Kucher at 40 to one. And then our boy M is at 42 to one. That uh oh excuse me Neiman's at forty five to one that uh, rounds out the guys in the thirty twenty thirty and forty range. Is there any of those guys that stand out? Um, Hovland's been playing pretty good, and he's he's probably pretty decent on um easy courses. I haven't looked into it. I'm gonna um I'm gonna lean towards Justin Rose right now because, like I said, I feel like he's trending up. Um, but I'm not sure. And then with uh, less than driver courses, uh, and his accuracy off the tee, I want to say he's not too bad on these courses where where there's a lot of water. And that's what I'm concerned with. Like I feel like Hovland and especially Fowler, man, you can't trust him with all, <laughs> with all the water, right? You I, you really can't. He might he might be nine under and rolling, and then turn around and do a, and do back to back like uh, double bogeys. And that's the thing about this course. Um, even without it being set up the way it is right now, just historically speaking, birdies and eagles are pretty uh, easy to come by on this course, but even easier to come by are are the uh, big numbers, like the double bogeys and things like that because of the water. So I feel like people are going to get excited about certain golfers, but you have to take into consideration, you want somebody that's going to be safe too. And I feel like Justin Rose has that in his game. Any anybody else you like on that list? Again, uh, we got Hovland, Fowler, Morikawa. Right, I was going to say because um, I'm looking at odds that are a little different from you. I didn't know if you had Morikawa on there. Morikawa, if I'm not mistaken, this was the tournament that was the 3M last year. No, no, no. This was uh, this was uh, the Memorial, is what mm-hmm. they call it, and that's okay. what they're going to call it uh, next week. All right. I feel like he played in that, though, and he did pretty well. I could be mistaken. I have to go back and look. But either way, I mean, Morikawa is any, – anytime you got a course that favors iron play, you got to take him or at least consider it. He's one of the best iron players on uh, the PGA Tour. And I don't even think – I don't even think that's uh, something that – like, if you watch – if you watch, if you're watching the tournaments, you know that. Like, they talk about it all the time. So, um I expect him to bounce back. Uh, he he finally got the pressure off of him because he missed the cut uh, in that in that uh, tournament before last. It was an impressive streak. Yeah, it was. It was, and I'm pretty sure it was weighing on him a little bit. But he's got that pressure off of him. I think he'll be more relaxed. And and we both know that he can he can definitely compete with these high scoring, um, 
tournaments as well. So I like him as as well out of that group. So I might, I might even favor him over Justin Rose. I just have to take a, a deeper look. You're getting a little better odds with him. So yeah. out of that group, you know, and this is a venue that typically two kind of guys succeed here. The ball strikers, particularly – uh, the best approach players in the world, you know, greens and regulation, the, the proximity to the hole. Another thing, like I said, was this is the, the guy say it every year on tour outside of Augusta. These are the truest, fastest greens. So good putters are always going to kind of rise to the, you know, the cream of the crop here. And uh, it's going to give you an advantage. You also have to be able to scramble, you know, if you're going to miss greens because it's really difficult to do. So having said that, the three out of this that I, I like is Kuchar, uh, who's one of the top 10 putters on tour right now. He's had a good track record at this course. Leishman, because of his ball striking, you're getting both those guys at 41. He's also got a good track record there. And the guy that doesn't have a good track record there, but you told me this going into the WGC event, and it's a little bit of a similar venue, is Patrick Reed, who's an amazing scrambler, an amazing putter. Uh, and I could see also, you know, Reed getting hot, and he's played pretty well this year. Yeah, Reed Reed's a difficult golfer to call, man. And he could put he could put together some big numbers too, mm-hmm. uh, in regards of high scoring. But it it's like uh it's one of those things I, I think in this particular group, you're not really going wrong unless you pick Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> and just so you know, I actually don't hate Fowler for like a top ten play this week. I, I hate do. Him. I, wow. no, I just hate him in general. Oh, okay. I was going to yeah. say, because uh, he does, he has a really good track record here. This is the kind of course that should suit him because you, you kind of need to be able to do everything. But I'm with you that, you know, he almost needs to be at this point, and it's not totally fair, but with Spieth, because he just doesn't win enough to be getting the Aussie. I mean, I heard a point on another podcast the other day that, you know, when he's in that 30 to 35 to 1 range, you know, if you say he plays 20 events, he's supposed to win every year and a half. That's not been the case for Fowler. He's now been on tour for 10 years, and I think he has like five wins. So uh, his odds are just inflated because of how popular he is. So let's move to that next level, and then we'll kind of get into some picks and stuff. You got Gary Woodland at 50 to 1, Spees at 50 to 1. Adam Hadwin's at 55 to 1. Fitzpatrick's at 60 to 1. You got Cameron Champ and Matthew Wolf at 66 to 1. Boy, Wolf moved up quickly after that performance last week. Yeah. Uh, Bubba's at 70 to 1. Jason Day's at 70 to 1. Ons at 70 to 1. You got Strillman, Scheffler at 70 to 1. Mickelson, Connors at 80 to 1. Uh, and I, you know, I think you can agree, right, that that's the absolute highest you should be going with picks right now. It's been pretty consistent this season that most of the wins have came either from the top of the odds or sort of that 30 to 60 range, I think with the exception of Patrick Reed and Hatton, right, who were like just outside of that. Yeah, so So, like, you know, I've been doing this for a couple years, man. Like, Well, not even a couple, it's almost like five years now. And like I said, I can count on one – Two fingers, actually. How often I've won anything over sixty to one, <laughs> and I've and I've pretty much bet every single tournament every single week, uh, and it's it's just really really difficult to um to take those odds. But I will say again, once you get past 
sixty to one. If you're just doing a five dollar bet, I mean, right. what was that seventy to one? Five dollar bet gets you three hundred and fifty dollars. I mean, you're never gonna. I'm never gonna criticize anybody for doing that. But if you're trying to put twenty, thirty dollars on something like that, then Godspeed to you. <laughs> but um, out of that particular group, I will say, I will say, um, if you look at the design of or the layout of um, was it Murrayfield? Is that, is that am I saying it right? Yep, my, yep, my you're, coming out. Nope, you're so, saying it right. Um, it's Muirfield. With the with the bent grass, the poana, um, the water hazards and, and the, the greens people are, are expecting to be slower. And then the fact that it's it's very high risk, uh, I mean um high reward and somewhat high risk. Phil Mickelson's graded pretty good on courses in similar conditions. it's um, a great call. So at seventy five to one. I feel like Phil is game for some props. Even you can get him at eighty to one in some yeah, places. Yeah. So even if you don't take him to win, if you're looking for like some decent profit on on a uh, on a on a bet that you would consider not necessarily super low risk, I would take Phil um, on top twenty, top tens. Um, maybe put a couple dollars down for him to, to win this tournament at seventy five to one. You can never really count him out. But um, I, I like Phil there. Uh, we, we've already talked about Bubba, another guy that, um, honestly, if you expect him to get his short game together, um, he's been pretty good with everything else, like I said. So you can take a shot there. I'm a big fan of Matthew Fitzpatrick on less than driver courses. And in actuality, Matthew Fitzpatrick, if you look at his statistics um, on courses like this, he grades almost identical to Xander Shoffley. And that's why I'm pretty high on him a lot of times. Because, I mean, I'm a big Xander fan. And even if Xander plays bad, he typically makes the cut and typically competes for top 20, top 10 picks. Um, so that's pretty good. Matthew Wolf is definitely a hot hand right now, but it kind of scares me because of uh, the way he's played prior to last week. He wasn't really doing all that great. And Adam Hadwin's been doing pretty decent too. Uh, but it, it hasn't been winning golf, so I wouldn't really take a chance on him. And then there was a guy that I skipped over that we should definitely take a look at, and that's Neiman. Um, decent ball striker, as we all know, pretty good with the irons in his hand. Um, playing really well. Yeah, playing really well. Uh, Neiman and Leishman, for sure, in that, like like you had said before, that 40-1 to 1 range, those are where you, you're finding a lot of winners, man. That's where we're finding a lot, a lot of winners. So um, I'm – what up? What about Woodland at 50 to 1? That's one of the guys I really like this week. Only because the rough's not going to be as long. The green shouldn't be quite as firm because I know that he, you know, he's got a little lower ball flight, which sometimes he struggles when the greens get really firm. That's why he did so great at Pebble last year. They were a little bit more receptive with that sea, you know, air, water, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what do you think about Woodland at 50 to 1? So I don't mind Woodland at 50 to 1. Um, because again, he's another guy that can that can really put together some uh, some some high scores, and he typically avoids bogeys too. Um, they, they they come here and there occasionally, but he's not a big he's not a guy who likes to to gives one and, and then gives it back. He he gives one and then maybe pars more often than not. So um, I'm I'm okay with somebody like that in in um, this situation. And like I said, with the greens being slow. I don't think he's going to do too bad with that. And um, I think his, his numbers on um, Bentgrass, Poana, Greens are pretty good too. Uh, so with the ball striking, I, I always 
hype about uh, Gary's ball striking. I think even when we first met, you you uh, probably remember me talking about that all the time. Yep. Whenever I think of ball striking, Woodland's name always pops up for me. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that at those odds. In actuality, when I go through and I pick this week, I'm, I'm pretty sure Cantley's going to be the, the lowest odds that I go. And then I'm, I'm really looking at that 30 to 40 to, to 50-ish range, man. I really think somebody in between that is, is going to um, compete and win. So one more thing before, and I, I'll do my picks, and then we can kind of give, you know, guys that, you know, we've talked about who you think you might be playing. Uh, I really like the Mickelson comment because, again, if there's a guy that can necessarily miss greens, which you know Mickelson can and can get up and down on those, you know, those tricky greens, it's Phil. He plays Augusta great all the time. He's not going to have to worry about spraying it off the tee if he can keep it out of the water. And Phil does spray it, but he normally knows how to spray it to the right side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would mean that he's going to be hitting out a rough that's not nearly as thick. I would hate Phil next week if they have, you know, more gnarly rough. Like they're saying they're going to grow it out basically, you know, starting this weekend and then all next week. But with the rough being shorter and, you know, also not quite as strong with Phil this next week, and, again, you're getting somebody like Phil who just – was it last term or two terms ago? He was kind of in the mix. Uh, I, I like that. Um, real quick, I'll tell you what. I'll go through my picks. And then, like I said, I know you haven't probably officially capped it, but you can give, uh, you know, whatever picks you want to. And then also you feel, you know, welcome to critique my picks if you want to because I'm still trying to learn. I told you I like uh, – for the winners, I got Cantley at 14 to 1. I told you guys, again – he is first in the last 10 years for a player. He ranks first in scoring average, birdies and eagles per round, strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained approach, strokes gained long game, and strokes gained total. I mean, he really plays this course well. I like Leishman at 40 to 1. He's got four top 15s in his last five starts here. He's not played great since the tours resumed, but he was having a good season before it was halted. You need to remember he already had a win, a second, and a third. I like Kucher at 40 to 1. He's got five top 10s and seven top 15s in his last 10 starts at this venue with a win and a runner up. He's top 10 in strokes game putting and he, uh, total putting on the season. And again, I, I mentioned about Augusta, the undulation. He always plays Augusta well. I like Woodland at 50 to 1. He has a uh, top 10 already since the tours restarted. He's had mixed results here, but he does have two top tens and eight starts, and I think he's really going to benefit from the setup. And the last pick, I know you're probably going to give me some crap for the winners, but I just on at 70 to one, he's got four starts here. He's finished 17th, second, 25th, and 11th. So he really likes this venue. He's not in great form, but it's 70 to one and his track record, and he seems to be another one of those guys that like. He seems to every year make his money, make his hay, keep his card on just a few courses that he always plays well. It's worth a shot. And then I've got three top 10 plays and three top 20s. I got Strillman at plus 600 uh, to top 10. He's got eight starts here. He's got a fourth, two eights, a 13th, and an 18th in those eight starts. He finished runner-up two weeks ago. That was also a course that he had a really good track record on, so I'm going to try that again. I got Armour at plus 900. He's got back-to-back 25s at this venue. We know he's coming off a sixth and a fourth in his last two starts, so I'm riding the hot hand at 9-1 to odds for a third straight top 10. And then I got Emilio Grillo at plus 1,100. 
He's finished a little better at each tournament since the tour has resumed. He's third in greens and regulation on the tour. He's 13 in strokes gained approach. We talked about how that's an important factor on this golf course. And this is a venue that favors ball strikers. He's had four starts here. He's finished ninth, 23rd, 40th, and 11th. Uh, the three top 20 plays, I got Cal Stanley at plus 500. He's got three top six finishes in his last five starts at this venue, and he's top 15 in greens and reg on tour. You're getting five to one odds for just a top 20. I like that. Henrik Norlander at plus 600. He's got four top 25s on the season. He's coming off a 12th last week at Detroit. This is just kind of a feel. I've heard a lot of people like him here. The metrics don't totally match up, but I just think that he's playing well, and that gives him a shot. And then the last one, I really like this play. J.B. Holmes at plus 800 at top 20. He has three top 15 finishes in his last six starts here, so he's done it three out of the last six times he's played this event. This is his first event back since the tour's resume, which scares me a little bit. But you need to remember, when the tour stopped, he was playing really well. He had three top 16 finishes in his last four events that he played. And again, with the rough not being as long, the greens not being as fast, I think that's going to help J.B. Holmes. And I like that at 8-1 to one for a top 20. Uh, do you have any comments on those picks? Or uh, do you just want to go into what you, uh, what you like this week? I had to go back and look at the text to look at the picks that you sent me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to keep up with it. Um, I like Cantley. I don't mind Leishman. I'm not really a fan of Kucher. I, I don't think he's going to score enough. Um, if this was a harder course, then maybe. But I just he just leaves too many on the board for me when it comes to, like, uh, birdies and stuff. So I, I just can't. Um, An is one of my favorite uh, Korean golfers. He's He's usually sneaky, man. But you'll know with like on, you'll know within the first. Oh yeah, like I know exactly seven, what you're saying. Yeah, I was like, you gonna know within the first seven holes what, what kind of golf you got. Is he gonna miss the cut or yep. is he gonna be in contention? <laughs> and that's that's part of why I love him though, because he doesn't leave much um, suspense, man. He's either either there or you're not. Ain't no in between. You ain't got to worry about checking uh, Saturday. Uh, I mean Friday, if he sucked on Thursday. That's why I appreciate him. Um, I'm gonna take armor probably again for a top twenty-five. Um, I don't I don't have a problem with you taking a shot at the top ten. And then uh Stroman's been popping up a lot in, in what I've been reading. So um I'm not He's got a great track well. record there. Yeah. And and then um I had some pretty uh decent luck with Stroman uh back in that tournament uh before Corona hit. Um, I think he was like a hundred to one. He was like my long shot, and he was like super close within like maybe two strokes of winning. So um, I don't mind that. And then Grillo is one of those golfers that honestly, whenever I pick him, he's trash. But if you pick him, and I'm gonna stay away from him just so to give you some luck, I know he plays well. I've seen him play well, but he only plays well when I don't pick him. <laughs> if I pick the guy, he, he's missing the cut, and it frustrates me. But um. I think he's um he's really got the the game for a course set up like this. Um and, and I think uh with his with his ability to put up some some big numbers to and score, uh I don't I don't doubt that he couldn't finish top ten. Uh Norland, I know of him, but I've never played him. Um and and if you feel like he, he doesn't necessarily match up to the course statistically, but you, you have a funny feel about it, go for it, man. Like those are the ones that usually have the best the best payout. Um, JB Holmes, I'm gonna skip out on JB. Um, 
I'll try to find somebody else. It's just I just don't like JB anywhere in America, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Kyle Stanley, Kyle Stanley's solid, man. I, I um, I might look into playing him as well. So, um, I know you had talked about um, correlating the uh, the money. So, what you said mm-hmm. about the correlation, I typically do that naturally anyway. Um, and and like I said, my long shots depending on the tournament. If I feel like a couple have a chance. I usually break it down to five dollars for like anything over eighty to one, um, but like somebody like Canley, I because I feel pretty good about Canley, I probably put like twenty five on Canley this week, and then um, I put maybe ten fifteen on Leishman, uh, ten on Woodland, uh, ten on on, and then for your props, it all depends, man, because like you got six props, I typically try to do five props. And I try to keep it where my top 20s are at least four or five to one. And then like one top 10 or one top five, uh, depending on what I like that week. And I try to do $20 um, a prop. But since I've been having some decent luck with the props, I was thinking about raising it to maybe $30, $35 a prop. So I'll let you know how that works out for me this week. But um, I'm thinking that going for top 20 props, should we should shoot for guys that are five to one or higher? Uh, just because a lot of these guys that are at the very bottom here, like uh, Harold Warner, Harold Warner is typically no higher than 60 to one in most tournaments. And in a tournament like this, with all these big names, uh, he's gonna, he's, I think he's down to like 90 to one. And I'm looking for him as a top 20, and he is three to one odds. Yeah, now, he's a hundred to one at Caesar. So yeah. I mean, you can get him all the way to hundred so, to one. Last week, last week, um, the guys who were a hundred to one were like five to one, and like to me, that just lets me know that Ozmakers know, like they know Harold Varner is really good with irons. Like he's he's really he's really solid uh, golfer this year. He might not win, but he's gonna he's gonna be in that top twenty or around that that range so they don't really want to give you favorable odds on that anymore so but those are the guys that we probably need to start targeting like the ryan armors who've been playing really good uh golf not necessarily winning golf but like you know they've got good course history here and they they're in good form right now those are probably the guys that we really need to like start hitting up for for our props and um i mean it might require a deeper dive but that's that would be my advice to a lot of people who um like I know we we had this the one guy comment. I don't think he meant anything by it, but he was just talking about like another bad week. Not right. necessarily. It's not a bad week if I hit a five to one and a seven to one. Right. I mean, again, I'm only putting in uh I'm only putting in uh two hundred dollars uh max. I put twenty dollars on both of those and I come out with two forty. Like that's not bad. I mean, in worst case scenario, I, I break even. I'm okay with that. Um, because golf is hard, you know. And again, we want to look at how we can maximize the profits. Not necessarily how we can win, because you could win with Bryson, and you only and if you only put twenty five dollars on it, you didn't really win much. But if you put that twenty five dollars on those two props, then you actually got a little bit of a win. So again, I want to figure out how to maximize my profits. That's what I'm mostly focused on. And I know that might sound foreign to some people, but like again, I'm a blackjack player. Sometimes you just 
got to live to play to the next hand because this is the hand you probably want to put a lot of your money on, especially if you count cards. Guys who count cards know what I'm talking about. You want to put your money on this next this next turn rather than uh, jumping in head first in, in what you see in front of you. So, again, take your time, man. People who are getting frustrated and stuff, just take your time. If you got to dial back how much you put down, then dial back how much you put down. There's n- nothing wrong with that. I mean, you're talking to somebody that came in second place, what, three months in a row? So I, I understand. <laughs> so real quick, because I, I am going to do two hundred dollars, and you tell me if any of these are out of whack. And I'm going to post these when we we post the uh, the podcast here in a few minutes. I got Cantley thirty dollars on him at fourteen to one because the odds are lower. I have twenty five on both Leishman at Kucher at forty to one, uh, five dollars on On at seventy to one, and fifteen on Woodland at fifty to one. For the top 10 plays, I have Strillman at $25 for plus 600. I have 15 on Armor at plus 900 and $10 on Grillo at plus 1100. And then for the top 20s, I got 25 on Stanley at plus 500, 15 on Norlander for plus 600, and 10 on Holmes at plus 800. Is yeah. that kind of the way you, you're, you're suggesting I should do it? Or should yeah. I put. Okay. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the way you allocated that, especially like like you're high on armor, so you put fifteen dollars on him, and then you you like Grillo, so you put ten dollars on him. That's fine. I mean, go with who you like. I put like forty dollars on armor last week, <laughs> you know, because I was I was I was sold on him at least having a good showing, um, and so I'm I'm okay with that. Like again, when it comes to allocating your money, man. Go with how you feel. If you're confident in your picks, obviously you don't think every single person you pick is going to win. Some people have a shot and some people you really, really like, then you should allocate your money towards the people that you really, really like. So um, don't let people tell you how to spend your money. Um, even if you get advice from them, ultimately don't let, don't let them tell you, oh, you should put $5 on that and $10 on this. No, go with what you ultimately feel because it's your money. All right, so is there anything else you want to cover on this term before we get out of here? Um, no, other than, again, like I said, people need to be patient. Uh, this COVID stuff is, is affecting athletes and sports in general all across the world. People are out of rhythm. Some people are, are finding their niche. Some people are playing a whole lot better than what they should be. Um, as we gravitate to the NBA, I'm telling you right now, man, I probably shouldn't say this on air, but either way, I might have an inside guy who will help us with information on people um, in regards to whether they're going to be out because of a positive test or if they break the bubble rule, things like that. So if I, once I start betting NBA, I'm hoping that I'll have some inside information um, to to share with people with obviously without naming my sources or or people that are helping. But um, I would, I'm just wary of how things are going to play out. Um, with yeah, how are they going to do that when it say they get to the the playoffs parts of it, and next thing you know, you have five guys on one team, and so, three of them are starters, test positive. So, um, me and Corey covered this, and and I'm not going to try to sidetrack us too much, but me and Corey covered this uh, in the um, in the podcast that we did a couple weeks ago. Um, the NBA has a very thorough COVID plan. Um, there are certain scenarios where a person who is necessarily exposed but doesn't test positive will be under quarantine for maybe like four days so they if they don't show any symptoms within that three to four days then they would be allowed to play 
I do believe that the way they've set the schedule up is that in a case where somebody does uh, come in contact or test uh, or may have come in contact with somebody, that the allotted time for the next game when the playoffs start is enough that if that person doesn't have a positive test, it won't affect the outcome of the game. They'll still be able to play. Okay. So I think I think they thought about that they have a plan. Like um, if you are having – like let's say you, you were in the NBA – your wife got pregnant and then you had to go um, to the hospital to be with her. You came back. They would give you three days to show that you're not sym- symptomatic and then let you go. If you voluntarily break the bubble, then you get the, the, the brain stab and you probably get 10 days. So, I mean, they, they made it known. Like they're going to try to work with people, but if you're out there just, just disregarding what they, they say, it's not going to be easy for you to get back. So, um, like I said, I was con- I'm concerned because I've seen some stuff on Twitter, and I and I know a lot of these dudes, man, in regards to their their attitude, and I'm just they're not gonna be happy being yeah, trapped. They're not like I'm Harden, man. I'm watching James Harden. That's gonna be my first tell, man. We actually have a, a side pool on. on Did you see the picture Harden. of him running uh, like on the mountains? Like his beard was all long and gray. He looked skinny. Uh, yeah. did, did you see that one? No, nah, I didn't, but. Um, I'll send it to you when we get done with this. But, uh, yeah, the NBA is, is going to be an issue. Honestly, I'm a little nervous we won't have college football at all. Yep. So, um, and, and I'm not upset about that. I understand. I mean, the NFL players are more expendable than these kids. So. <laughs> They're getting paid to be there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm a little worried about that. Um, the Ivy League, the Ivy League shut down all sports uh, until January of next year. So that even affects basketball, and now, now I'm super pissed about that because Princeton and Harvard and Yale—they're they're money, man. They're good money, but um, again, that might be the start of something because um, other leagues are, are especially in the D two schools, they're kind of setting guidelines that um might make the D one schools think about it. So, uh, just like I said, everybody just stay patient. Um. Golf has been affected by it. We've seen that over the last couple of weeks, people dropping out left and right. Uh, keep an eye on that, especially you guys that play DFS. If somebody uh, is reported to have symptoms or something like that, you might want to look elsewhere. And just remember, we're still giving winners. We, we gave you Webb Simpson, uh, what, three, four weeks ago at 30 yep. to 1. I had two uh, props at 8, 9 to 1, or two weeks ago. You had two props this last week, so... I mean, there's going to be good and bad weeks, but we're consistently giving at least some winners. Uh, but we will get back together next week and talk about the same venue, a little bit different, <laughs> with a better field. And my man Tiger will be back, so I'll oh, be in a really good mood. Uh, I can go ahead and tell you, I'm picking him. I know uh, you so, are. I know uh, you are. He's only won eight times there, man. I mean, oh. come on. So, But, uh, Alan, you stay safe. Enjoyed it, and I will post this when we get done. And when you get get your picks, send them to me, and I'll repost it, okay? All right, man. Take care. This has been another edition of the Backdoor Cover on the IB Podcast Network. We will see you guys soon.